them just carrots. And we had about 500 pounds somewhere around there of carrots. And we, and that was my job. I bagged the carrots and I gave the carrots. And, um, but it's just amazing. And we get to pray with people. And I know uh, Richie was praying with people and Vivian uh, was praying. Um, I got to pray with some people. One lady that we've prayed with several times that has come through testified to um, being healed of cancer. And uh, that's amazing that that happened. And now she's struggling with lupus. And so we're praying for her in that. But man, if you guys are looking for an opportunity to be involved in works of compassion, that's uh, one way for sure that we can do that. But like I said, that doesn't have uh, much to do with the message today. Today, we're gonna talk about Ephesians. Continue talking about Ephesians. And remember that we wanna be a church committed to an inward journey of spiritual practices and an outward journey of missional engagement. We want to be spiritually formed in such a way that it produces a life of uh, missional engagement with others. So um, this is how we will fulfill our church's why. To love like Jesus so lives are changed. So uh, we've talked about, just briefly to catch us up, the fact that Ephesians is broken into two parts roughly. I, I'm not sure if... Um, how sharp the division is but we have kind of two halves and it's divided into two parts the first three chapters describe the theological foundation of the spiritual mystery that exists in the gospel of Jesus Christ that's a mouthful I know but he's you have to go back and read those first three chapters he really digs into what that means and then the second half starting in chapter four that we started last week gives the practical application of what it means to be a child of God so I want to be careful though, and I, I've, I've mentioned that there's these two halves. I don't want us to draw that distinction in our own spiritual walk because I do believe that we can do one of two things, either lean too heavily on the foundation of doctrine and theology, but then there's also a way that we can emphasize the praxis of Christianity. What we're looking for is a life that understands the theology that follows Christ and out of that life is practicing being a Christian. It's really two halves of the same coin. What Paul is doing in Ephesians is giving an if-then statement. Essentially, the result of a good understanding of Jesus is one whose faith is lived out in a particular way. If you really understand Jesus, then your faith will live in a particular way. And as we dig into this today, by the way, don't forget that the message notes are in the church app. You can go to um, the church app, find the notes in the service section there. So I want to um, really catch us up a little bit. The two halves, Paul says, this is what Jesus did for us. And because he did these things, therefore, that's where he begins chapter four. And really three verses I pulled out to help us understand what Paul's saying, how he's trying to link the blessings found throughout the first half. Ephesians 1.7, he said, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So that's what we have in him is that forgiveness of sins. And then the next chapter, uh, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ. Even though we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. So 
uh, our sins have been forgiven. We have been made alive. And then a little bit further in Ephesians chapter 2. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So he's brought us all together. We aren't strangers in the land. We are part of this family of God. And he does this throughout the letter, unveiling the richness of God's blessing that is available to us through Jesus. Therefore, he says, because of these blessings that are available as followers of Jesus, therefore, it sounds like he's given us a, our part and God's part. Last week we focused on the offices the, of leadership in the church, uh, apostles, evangelists, prophets, and pastors, teachers. And we've talked about also the fact that not everybody has been given a gift of, lead, of a leadership role, but we've all been called to participate in the purpose of the ecclesia, the, the church, the gathering of people. And that purpose is to reach people for his kingdom. So some are leaders meant to equip the body so that all together we work together. So therefore, because of the blessings available to us through Jesus, and we pick up in verse 17. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about it, when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. One thing that is going to be extremely difficult to do preaching through Ephesians is to teach every little piece. So I would encourage you, spend some time in Ephesians. This, this right here, these verses is a lot to go through. In fact, we could probably spend a year in the book of Ephesians, which we're not going to. But you can definitely dig into that. But the first thing I want to point out is the weight of salvation. And he says in verse 17, I tell you this and assist on it in the Lord. What he's saying is don't miss the importance of what I'm going to say. The, the word insist in the Greek that we translate as insist, it's a word that carries weight. It, it, it's, it's weighty. It's, it means to insist or, or to testify like you have to hear this. When you're talking to a friend or a family member and you, you want them to understand the weight of what you're about to say, the importance of it, that's, you use a particular word or, or a particular phrase. And that's what Paul's doing here. I insist on it. Don't miss the point of what I'm about to say. What I'm about to say carries the weight of life and death. It has meaning. It's weighty. You know, as I'm going through this, I really try to reconcile the personal nature of a relationship with Christ with the lostness of the world. Have you ever done that? 
Just think about what does my relationship with Jesus have to do with the lostness of the world? It seems like the world exists from one crisis to the next, doesn't it? There's always something. And if it's not a crisis in my life, then it's a, it's a national crisis. If it's not COVID, then it's a war in the Ukraine. If it's just a few days ago, a video of the death of Tyree Nichols was released. You guys probably all heard about that. Once again, social upheaval plagues our country, right? It's, it's like crisis to crisis. And we could go on and on about the list uh, of how society is abandoning God's morality. One might ask what this has to do with us. So all of those things happening in society, what does that have to do with me and my walk with Christ? How is, is my walk, my relationship with Jesus going to do anything to impact society? And here's the answer. The influence of the gospel in the world and the ministry of the church go hand in hand. The influence of the gospel in the world and the ministry of the church go hand in hand. In other words, what we're doing here, the ministry that we have established, the way that we are the church to society impacts the social order of things. We quite literally have the answer to the world's problems. You guys know I love that word literally too. <laughs> I wish there was a better word, but there's not. <laughs> my, my teenagers, literally, everything's literally. We literally have the answer to the world's problems. Remember Ephesians chapter two, verse two, we went through that a few weeks ago. In, the, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. You see, the, how do I, the, the transforming power of salvation is evident. And I'm gonna say things and you're gonna agree with me, but listen, listen closely for the next few moments. I've had, I've had people ask me, how can I be certain that I am saved? How do I know for a fact that I am saved? The best answer I have is an, to say this, an encounter with God is a life-changing event. It's the best answer that I know. An encounter with God is a life-changing event. When you encounter Jesus, you will know it. That's the, that's the best answer I've got. I don't know how other to say it. Like, and some of you live lives that I would say, I can see the work of Jesus in you. When you have an encounter with him, it changes your life. And I'm gonna say this. If you at one time in your life went to an altar and said a prayer of salvation but left without God's transforming power absolutely wrecking your sinfulness, then I'm gonna say as lovingly as I possibly can that you need to reevaluate your relationship with God. Because just saying that prayer, just repeating those words does not make you a Christ follower. Because when you encounter him, and I like the phrasing of that, it will wreck your sinfulness. You cannot remain unchanged. 
It's, it's just it. So when people say, how do I know if I'm a Christian or not? How do I know if Christ is in my heart? Well, the fruit will be able to be seen. Your salvation carries weight. What I mean is your salvation will impact the way you live your life. When the righteousness of Jesus Christ enters you by the power of the Holy Spirit, the new life that is created will hunger and thirst for the things of God. That's what Paul means when he says to take off the old self and put on the new. Jesus describes it in John 3, 3 this way. He says, you must be born again. Your old self is no longer. Now you are a new self. The newly born person takes on the nature of Jesus. So when we look at somebody and we say, well, at least I'm not that bad. Like I'm better than them. Like if we're running, you've, you've heard the story of, um, if you're in a group of people and a bear starts chasing you, you don't have to be faster than the bear. You just have to be faster than your friends, right? <laughs> That's not the way it works with Jesus. Just because you're beating your friends does not mean that you're a Christ follower. It's just not the same thing. There is a transformation in your salvation. So in verse 17, he says, I tell you this and assist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. So Paul talks about an unrepentant person. And he uses several descriptors of a person who lives without Jesus. He says it's futile, darkened, alienated, ignorant, hardness, callous, sensual, greedy, impure, corrupt, deceitful. Like it sounds like he's really picking on them, you know. But I don't think that that's what he's doing. I don't think he's really trying to pick on them or attack them. I believe he's trying to help Christians see what happens when someone is spiritually transformed through a rebirth in Christ. Because before that rebirth in Christ, this is what it looks like. It is futile and darkened and alienated and ignorant and, and hard and callous and sensual and greedy and impure and deceitful. Like, that's, what you, that's what the life looks like. And some of you, myself included, remember when I was that. When I was deceitful and greedy and callous and hard. And some of you know friends that are that way. But when somebody is spiritually transformed by a rebirth in Christ, when they put their old nature aside and they put on the nature of Christ, they go from futile to fruitful, from darkened to inspired, from alienated to united with God, from hard-hearted to understanding. It is a life change. He goes on and talks about denying the gospel and the consequences in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, 
Starting with verse 1, he says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Do you think he's talking about people who call themselves Christians in the United States? This is hard because Jesus doesn't ask you to just say the words. He wants you to take off the old and put on the new. It is a life change. How do I know? If I believe, if, if I'm a Christian or not, because when you encounter Jesus, it changes you. And see, rejecting Christ carries both social and spiritual consequence. The social consequence of rejecting Christ is what we're seeing today in the United States. It, well, really the Western civilization. The fastest growing part of Christianity right now is in South America and Africa, just so you know. We're closing more churches than we're building in the United States. It's just dying because we're not, we're just saying the words. We're not becoming something new. So when we become all of these things that he listed in 2 Timothy, it has a social impact. Then we get things like the social upheaval that we see today because people are, in it for themselves. The way we think affects the way we act. So it stands to reason that an unbeliever's life is characterized by hardness of heart, which leads to hardness in morality. And since many individuals make up a society, all of those individuals with hardness of heart impacts society. So when somebody says, what can I do? You can be more than just a Christian by words. Because the more people who profess Christ, confess him, who have taken the old and put on the new, they begin to have a social impact. And <laughs> say it again, and literally change society. And this is the last one and we'll be done. What does a transformed life look like? In verse 20 he says, that however is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Listen, Jesus is more than a checklist item. Don't forget, Paul is writing this to the church. This isn't a message written to society in general. This is written to the church. A true believer is not somebody who adds Jesus to the checklist of items of positive change. I treated the cashier nice, check. I didn't 
cuss today? Check. Jesus is my savior? Check. That's not it. Like it's not a checklist of things. He is not. Jesus becomes the center of everything in our lives. When we are reborn, our purpose changes and becomes for his glory. Everything is different. With that change, we walk differently. We interact with the world differently. We think differently. We must. I remember a scene out of a, a show I was watching. I don't even remember what it was now. But I remember that the dad was explaining to the kid how baseball worked. And the kid had never seen baseball. And he was explaining to him. And he was saying, you know, that the runner advances base after a hit from first to second or whatever. And the kid was like, why? And the dad just kept saying, because he must. Because he must. That's it. If we have that change going on in our lives with Jesus, then we walk differently and we act differently and we are different because we must. There's no way to stay the same unless you walk away from Christ. Listen, Christians do not live like the rest of the world. And I'm going to reword some things here. And this is what Paul says. Christians, do not become futile in your thinking. Do not become obsessed with the pursuits and promises of this world. Be single-minded and focus on the glory of the gospel of Christ. This is my wording, by the way, just so you know. I'm trying to, which is in the notes. And let's do the next one. Christians, do not become darkened in your understanding. Do not exchange the counterfeit life offered by this world for the abundant, joyful, and eternal life of Christ Jesus. And the last one. Christians, do not allow your hearts to become calloused and hardened. Do not sacrifice your lives in pursuit of sensuality and impurity. When we grasp the miracle of Jesus Christ, we are transformed. We cannot remain the same. The hope that we had in ourselves or our friends or civilization or the government, that hope is replaced with a hope in Jesus. And then how we act, how we treat our family, how we interact with the world around us, how we pray, how we treat others will be different. It must. When we're changed in this way, we impact the world around us. And then the world becomes different. And that's that. So today I'm going to ask uh, Bruno to come up and, and the team. And I just want to give us an opportunity to, to pray this morning. Um, you may be sitting here and, and wondering about what that looks like having received Christ. Maybe you remember making a prayer at some point in your life, but you've been wondering about that time since. Maybe you're thinking, I just don't know or remember having an encounter like you're talking about, Cal. I, I don't remember that. I, I want that. God's not hiding it from you. And he's not keeping it from you. But he's asking for your heart. 
You can't just give them part of it. You can't just make them a part of your checklist. You can't just not be different. It will result in being different. And it will result in the way we interact with society being different so that it makes society different. And I started off talking about compassion and ministry. Things like that are just, it just flows from us. I want to do, I want to live a life of solidarity with those who don't have. I, I want to, to do more for my neighbors. I want to, uh, you know, we have several, um, Darlene comes to mind, just had surgery. Like I want to do something for her or uh, the Miles just had a baby. I want to do something for them. The Duckwalls have their babies in NICU right now. What can I do? How can I pray with you? Like I'm not trying to tell everybody's business, but listen, our church, we have people in our church who are hurting, people in our church who are rejoicing over new life. People, and that's just in our church. The way we interact with all of that, just it changes things. And like I said, I'm not trying to point out everybody's stuff. If, if I didn't say something about you, I'm not, I'm just using it as an example. Where our life crosses others' lives creates a different society. And then that expands and grows. How do you think that 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it. Several years ago, went through the book, or not, I, in one of my messages, talked about a book called The Rise of Christianity. And it explains how in just 300 years, over half of the known world became Christian. Followers of the way. And the reason, they didn't have social media, they didn't have radio, they didn't have television. It was just because of the way followed Jesus' lives. They literally took off the old, put on the new. The interactions with people changed. It changed the way they lived and it changed society. Can we be part of that movement? Like we are a result of that movement. Can we be part of continuing that movement? So if you guys would stand with me this morning. And if you just want to pray about this and you're looking for that encounter or you're saying, you know, I just, maybe this morning you say, I just want to give my heart all to Jesus. Think about my friend Steve Manley and he just, he talks about Jesus all the time. Jesus. <laughs> He's amazing. And he will change your life today. If you're sitting there saying, I don't know if I, Cal, can you tell me if I, listen, then you need an encounter. Let's pray about it. have these altars open. We're going to sing this song. Kneel at your chair. Kneel at the altar. Do not leave here changed without being changed. Don't leave here the same. Experience Him this morning. Holy Spirit, I ask this morning that you would begin now to mold our hearts. That you would make us what you want us to be. That you would infiltrate our lives and that you would help us to be who you have called us to be. That we might make an impact like you have called us to be. We love you this morning. We want to experience you in that kind of a way. My prayer today, God, is that nobody leaves here without being able to answer the question, do they know that they're a Christian? Maybe they've said the words, but they've not had that experience. Give the experience today. Not for the experience itself, but for the assurance that comes with receiving Christ. In Jesus' name.